0: Welcome to another episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. I'm Ryan, the Crypto Fool, and on the other line we got Brian for our more traditional markets. Brian, it's been a while. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Uh, how about you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I've, I've been a little under the weather recently.
1: Uh, and,
0: you know, this, this pandemic that we've been going through has kind of spoiled me uh, because I've forgotten what it feels like to be sick. <laughs> it's been so don't... long.
1: Yeah, because you haven't seen anybody, to catch anything, right? Yeah,
0: we haven't seen that many people, and in general, people are being more careful, washing hands, and keeping distances, yep. anyways. So, like, you know, I, I got the only time I've really been sick in the last year and a half uh, was when I got my second vaccine shot, um, same, and I was same for I was like sick for like a a day, um, and so when I got sick this time, I figured oh a couple days I'll be fine. And it, I've been I've been dragging for about a week oh, or so. Man. So it's this rough rough facing reality again. I guess.
1: <laughs> Pros and cons. Pros and cons.
0: Speaking of uh, rough reality, today we are talking about the rough reality of crypto, which generally uh, you hear a lot of scams that happen in cryptocurrencies. Um, in fact. Um, even as of a few years ago, that was kind of like the, the, the dominating headlines that a lot of people would read about are these big scams that people are pulling that involve cryptocurrency. And part of it, cryptocurrency is just such a, a ripe environment for these kind of scams because it involves a complicated technology that people don't understand. And you're combining it with finances, which a lot of people don't understand. Mm. And so you, you have all these, these two complicated, comp, uh, complex systems that you're just kind of throwing together and it creates this, uh, you know, thing that people are okay with not fully understanding because they assume that other people understand it. And and then it, throwing into that, you're talking about money and people are generally pretty hopeful when it comes to money. They're, some people are very desperate. Uh, and so you get this, you know, people are, are more willing to buy into these kind of scams, which unfortunately cost people a lot of money.
1: And That's true. And, and it's like, it's usually the prey is the, the helpless retail investor, right? Right. It's not like the big institutional guys. It's the people that are trying to make ends meet, you know, and, and earn some, earn a living. That's right.
0: Exactly. Um, and, and so there are three main types of scams that I was going to talk about here. Um, the first type is called a rug pull, which I think is a new term to you, right, Brian? That's not a traditional term that you've heard of, at least. No, I haven't heard of that term, So no. the idea about a rug pull, if you think about if someone was standing on a rug, and I if you were standing on a rug and I pulled the rug out from underneath you... Right. you familiar
1: with that you're, term. You're going to
0: fall <laughs> over, sure. And so the yeah. idea is you're pulling out the support from that person. And so it's okay. the same thing with crypto. You have these decentralized... This mostly happens in DeFi, with these decentralized liquidity pools. So these pools have, generally you'll have two different tokens, token A and token B, and ideally they have about the same amount of uh, overall value. They're equivalent in their overall value in this pool. And so if someone wants to buy token A, they can put in token B and get out token A, right? So this mm-hmm. this liquidity pool uh, in this decentralized format. Um, and so what happens, though, is if, if a creator, some devious um, scammer, creates a coin, and then they set up this liquidity pool, and they, um, they trick people into buying into their coin, uh, and then once enough people have bought into that pool, um, buying their token, then the developer sells all of his coins that he's holed for himself, and um, as he sells all of his coins... Typically the developer will keep like a large stash for himself. And so he's dumping his coins on the market and it it floods the liquidity pool and he's able to drain out the other side of the pool, leaving only his worthless token in the pool. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And so that would be what a rug pull looks like. And so what's really harmful about this is, well, he's selling his worthless token, filling the pool with his worthless token. He's running off with the token of value. Like let's say Ethereum or Ether, he runs off with the Ether in the pool, and so now the investors that bought into his token are left with no liquidity in the pool. So they can't even sell their token if they wanted to, because the the, the pool has been drained. And so rug pools are definitely one of the the biggest risks in in DeFi right now. Um, there is a a famous example called Hot Dog Swap. Now this is um, this is in the uh, if you remember. Uh, last summer, Decentralized Finance was having a, a fling with food-themed projects.
1: Uh, that's right. Sushi
0: swap and burger swap, bakery swap, pancake swap, um, hot dog swap was another one. Okay. And these are all copy-pasted code from the well-known DeFi exchange, uh, Decentralized Exchange, Uniswap. And so, if you remember, with with DeFi, with Uniswap, this code is all open source. Anyone can access the code; they can copy and paste it and make their own projects. And so, that's what all these little break-off food projects were doing was copy and pasting the code from a well-known exchange and making their own version of it, maybe with a few tweaks here and there. And so, Hot Dog Swap was a hot dog-themed exchange, and it had its own token called Hot Dog. And the, the token went up um, $4,000 uh, within hours. People were flooding into it, FOMOing into it, and, and the, the price shot up $4,000 uh, from like $1 to $4,000. And then uh, the developer pulled the rug on everyone, and the, the value of the hot dog token crashed from 4000 to $1 within minutes. And so if you're, you're left holding hot dog token, you couldn't sell it. And you're left with this worthless token anyway, so why sell it anyways? Um, so that's, that's, that's a big extreme example of of a rug pull that does happen. Um, generally, any token with the name safe in it, I would consider a rug pull. <laughs> because if they have to <laughs> specify that their token is safe, it doesn't sound safe to me.
1: It, what's the difference between a rug pull and like a pump and dump? Are they essentially the same?
0: So, a pump and dump isn't necessarily the developer.
1: Pump oh, and dump okay. can be
0: some wealthy person or more likely a coordinated group of investors or traders I see. that pump up a coin. And then, as, as uh, regular investors see this coin pumping, they start FOMOing into it and then they sell into the FOMO. And that's kind of what the pump and dump happens.
1: So this is specifically with the the creator of the coin.
0: Creator of the coin, typically, because he will generally keep a huge stash for himself, like 90% of the total supply. And so then he can just dump it in and uh, drain the pool.
1: Right. And that's why probably a lot of the reason why... Uh, What's that name? <laughs> Cronier or what's his Andre name? Andre Cronier, yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why his coins are so popular is because he doesn't have any for himself, right? Exactly.
0: He's not going to be rug-pulling you because he has none for himself. Right? Yeah. Although he his projects have been accused of a different type of scam, which is called the honeypot scam, which is just like a honeypot, and it attracts all sorts of different uh, creatures because of its sweetness. Um, the developer will bury in the code of the program some kind of bug or trap. Um, and so they lure investors into buying their token, using their product, uh, using their exchange, But and then when the time is right, they'll exploit that vulnerability and make off with everyone's money, and then the developer can just claim, oh, uh, we were hacked. Oops, someone hacked us, and we didn't realize there was this vulnerability there, when in reality they programmed the vulnerability to be there so that they could anonymously hack, quote unquote, hack their own project and steal people's funds.
1: Oh my gosh, that's even worse. <laughs> that's even worse,
0: right? So this is what André Cronier has been accused of, is uh, there was a, you know, if you remember, he uh, had some very um, preliminary projects he was working on and people started aping in millions of dollars into these projects that he w- he wasn't finished with. He hadn't audited them. You know, all this risks applied, but people aped into his project. And then suddenly someone exploited a vulnerability <laughs> and uh, stole like $15 million. <laughs> and and so so people accused him of honeypotting them and leaving that vulnerability there to, for him to exploit them.
1: If you're going to scam me, scam me in my face, man. <laughs> don't try to hide it
0: right and that's part of the risk of of Is it's you can get away with anonymous things like that right just have some anonymous wallet and but for
1: rug pulls you actually know it was the creator that actually did it to you right
0: yeah you generally will know uh, generally yeah because because only he will have had that huge stash of coins
1: right right. um
0: and and generally it's you know the developer in that situation is going to be anonymous and it's going to be sketchy, anyways, because you don't. know. Oh, he's okay. not going to announce who he like, is.
1: Yeah, because you can't do it again if he's going to. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yep. So that's how this this kind of thing goes. A recent example of a honeypot was uh, Burger Swap. Actually, Burger Swap has existed for a year plus. It's been around for a while. Um, again, it's another uh, copy and pasted Uniswap, um, and uh, except that the developers changed a specific part of the code. That was supposed to secure liquidity in the, the liquidity pools, and they purposefully changed this code. And then, just recently, like a month ago, um, they announced that someone exploited exploited the code and made off with seven million dollars. And uh, and so you know they're acting like we don't know how this happened, but but yet the developers you can see the code; they purposefully left out this piece of code that would have prevented this hack from ever happening
1: oh my goodness
0: and so it's kind of fishy stuff there and burger swap i believe still exists and ha- you know functions and people still use it uh, but it just seems a little fishy for me
1: that's see that's a perfect example of like why it'd be good to have regulation you know what i mean like stuff like that like sh- that's like easy stuff that you can eliminate you know what i mean
0: yeah. And this is part of the problem with DeFi is it takes a whole lot of education for people to understand what they're getting into because they often don't understand the risks of what they're buying, what they're, you know, because it's not the same as traditional finance. Right, right. And, and for me, I'm okay with, you know, some people in crypto hate talking about this kind of scammy stuff because they, they think it'll turn away the average investor. And it might. But, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge what is, yeah. what is going on so we can work to fix it and improve that education, there are some websites to help with this. There's a different websites that exist, one called tokensniffer.com or another one called rugdoc.io, uh, rugdoctor. Um, and, and the idea is that these um, websites uh, send bots to analyze the code because all this code is open source. And they analyze the code for vulnerabilities and, you know, different things that's going on. They, they analyze how many tokens, like what is the supply distribution? Has the developer kept a whole bunch to himself? And so it's able to flag very suspicious projects. Um, hey, to, that's great. So, to avoid a lot of this. And that's the nice thing about DeFi because it is so open source. It is so transparent. Yeah. We do have the ability to analyze these things uh, without anyone ever having to need to lose money. But the problem is it's all an education thing. People need to know about this before they throw their money at random food coins.
1: Right. And that's, that was, that's the whole thesis behind big exchanges probably. Right. Because they've already done the due diligence for you. You can trust whatever they put out there. Doesn't going to have those type of vulnerabilities. Right. So like Coinbase or something like that, they've, They've done all that,
0: right? Exactly, and there are official um, companies out there that will audit the code for uh, projects. And so, what a lot of these um, bigger DeFi projects are doing is they're using some of their DAO money. If you remember, DAOs are like the the uh, the the uh, committee that chooses how the project will use its money. Um, Anyways, they're using their money to pay for these auditings. And so, these auditors will come in, third party auditors come in, look at the code. And look for any vulnerabilities, etc., uh, in the code, and so you can you can see um, what what projects are passing audits and getting audited, and that kind of gives you some security as well. So and, and then as as these things age, they'll become better, right? Because it's because it's all open source, people can build on different projects. So you see Uniswap has been a great <clears throat> s- stable exchange, and so then you can just build off of Uniswap, and and, and you know. Anyway, so so that's there is a hope for DeFi. As things get older and more mature, uh, I think I think we'll see less of this, hopefully. Um, in general, the trend is that scams are becoming more popular. I mean, not more popular, more common, but they're becoming smaller in volume. <laughs> it's a cool
1: thing to do. Yeah,
0: it well, kind of is. But they're becoming smaller in volume, and so they're running away with less money uh, each time. So we'll see how the trend continues in the future. But anyways... That was a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I want to talk to you, Brian, about the probably two most famous cases of scams in crypto. Okay. I'm going to throw in a third, kind of like a two and a half story, halfway in between these two stories, because it relates to possibly the biggest crypto scam ever. But this whole story is just unfolding as we speak. It's only just happened like in the last few weeks. Okay. So we don't have all the information for that. All right. So, let's dive into our first story about the infamous BitConnect. In 2016, one of the most fam- uh, crypto-famous scams decided to open up shop. And they branded themselves as a Bitcoin lending platform of the future called BitConnect. And the, sim- the the business plan was quite simple, really. You would send them your Bitcoin, and they would send you their bitconnect coin in return and then you would somehow make millions of dollars um <laughs> sounds simple enough it,
1: it always ends that way right <laughs> yeah. you do this and that you become a millionaire you
0: become a millionaire <laughs> very simple yes um and so uh, um they promised on their website they promised a guaranteed minimum of 1% daily compounded return on your investment daily compounded interest. I mean, that sounds great. And it's a promise. It's a guarantee. So that's even greater. Uh, But, of course, the more money you put in, the higher your percentage would be of your daily return. Um, And uh, so the way that it worked, that they claimed that it worked, is that they had invented a proprietary trading software, what they called a, quote, trading bot and volatility software that would turn your Bitcoin into a fortune. And so 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 they're they're saying basically that this anonymous unknown team of BitConnect have made a trading bot that's so good, even the wealthiest financial institutions can't beat what this trading bot is doing. Because this trading bot is somehow able to secure over one percent of a daily compounded return. Anyways, so if you can tell, I'm a little suspicious of their trading bots and what they have <laughs> supposedly created here. Um, it's essentially what this would look like if if their promises played out. They were promising that if you invested a thousand dollars of Bitcoin, you'd be a millionaire in less than two years. Ooh. Just purely on your return of investment, not having not accounting for the you know the rise in the value of Bitcoin just purely based on their trading bot and what it can do for you. So they amassed billions of dollars doing this. They had very aggressive marketing campaigns. They had a large army of multi-level affiliate marketers, aka a pyramid scheme, uh, to recruit new investors. Because the more you brought in, the more you could earn the higher your daily percent return would be in what I love. I was looking at their promotional materials for this affiliate program, and they literally have an illustration of a pyramid showing you the tiers of what you could earn, the different tiers you could be in depending on how many people you bring in. And so I'm thinking if, if it walks like a pyramid scheme and it talks like a pyramid scheme, it's probably a pyramid scheme.
1: (laughs) It's a good saying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so these marketers, these affiliate marketers um, would paste screenshots of their BitConnect profits all over social media. And uh, they wouldn't say, though, that most of those profits were actually coming from this affiliate program. In other words, the pyramid scheme part of the company, that's where they're getting most of the profits from by bringing other people into BitConnect, not from their actual investments. Um, Vitalik Buterin... Uh, you know, the, the founder of Ethereum, was one of the first to stand up and call out this company as being a Ponzi scheme and with, with those kind of insane promised returns, and it started making the rounds that perhaps something was going on here, that something wasn't quite right. This is too good to be true. And so the British registrar of companies, I guess in, in Britain, uh, in the UK, came knocking, uh threatening to shut down Bitconnect. But but don't worry, the marketers, the BitConnect marketers were quick to dispel it all as FUD. It's just all fear, uncertainty, and doubt from the haters. They don't know what they're talking about. Um and uh, you know, they explained it as if it wouldn't affect the international branches of BitConnect. Only the the branches of Bitconnect housed in the UK. And so people were investors were Satisfied, They felt like their money was safe. Um, And so then BitConnect decided to ensure that their reputation wasn't spoiled by the UK calling them a Ponzi scheme and shutting them down. And so they pushed for a presence at these different conferences, these different tech conferences around the world to preserve their image. Um, And they even threw this fancy conference of their own, a special BitConnect conference uh, where one of the most famous memes in crypto was born, and it's this this BitConnect enthusiast. He gets up on stage, and it, it reminded me a whole lot of Bitcoin Miami conference from this a few months ago. This 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 BitConnect enthusiast gets up. I'll, I'll, I'll attach a clip here.
2: Hey hey hey! What so what so what so what so so so? The world is not anymore the way it used to be. Mm-mm, no, no, no. Bitconnect!
0: He is um, enthused about Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, he loves, okay. I mean, Bitconnect. <laughs> he loves it. And he even says in the clip that uh, um, his people are saying that it's, it's all a scam. And he says, my wife even doesn't believe me she says it's a Ponzi scheme but she won't be saying that once I come home and start slapping the $10,000 on the table and I'm like honey I got the money
2: I am right now independently financially independently I am saying to so many people who said that this was going to be a con artist game that this was going to be a scammer game hey you're going to lose all your money my wife still doesn't believe in me I'm telling him, but well, honey, Liz, this is real. No, 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 no. That's a scam. And I said, but wait, I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to get my bitcoins. I'm going to actually put it into dollars here, there, right on the table. Then I said to myself, you know what? When I am to put $10,000 a day on her, right on her, you know, on her table, then she's going to say, whoa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's real. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that comment didn't age well, I will say. Oh, man. And uh, hence, it's become such a a meme uh, that has has made it so famous. Um, Shortly after, um, though, you know, while all this was going on, Texas and North Carolina in the United States um, both came after BitConnect with cease and desist orders. And and BitConnect started to get a little worried that the reputation was going to be tarnished because all these different governments were, were coming after them. And so they started pouring their funds, this was ingenious, they started pouring their money that they had made into creating their own BitConnect news outlet on their website. And uh, they did it so well, and they did this intentionally, so that Google would start recognizing them as a legitimate source of news. Legitimate source of cryptocurrency news. And so then Google started featuring the BitConnect news stories at the top of their search results. And so their stories began to be promoted uh, and it kind of let BitConnect control the narrative of what people were reading online. When they Googled BitConnect, they would be reading BitConnect news stories from BitConnect (laughs) themselves. And so they could kind of frame it how they wanted people to read about it. Anyway, eventually it all cut up to them and they had a close up shop and announced that they would send everyone their BitConnect coins back um, at a price of $360. So they, they set this price and they said, okay, uh, we're closing up shop here. Uh, we're going to send you all your BitConnect coins back. Um, and then you can go off and you can sell your BitConnect coins and get your money back. Then it's in their Bitcoin back, just the BitConnect coins back. But the problem was, by the time they started returning people's coins, the price plummeted 96%. Oh, so man. essentially they were returning worthless tokens back to everyone. And so people got wrecked. They lost billions. Uh a total of uh in total, um they brought in over two point five billion dollars and scammed over one point five million people.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Uh but as any good company knows, you don't give up. And undeterred the company tried to build it all back up with a new platform called BitConnectX. And they held an ICO for investors to buy into. Yes, this is a real thing, Brian. This company that had just been shut down for having a Ponzi scheme is trying to come make a comeback. And they're asking <laughs> investors for $500 million. Oh, man. And uh, people started buying into their ICO unfortunately. But overall, it seems like uh, the ICO was a failure as people were realizing that this whole thing was a scam. And uh, just recently, actually, I think just this week, uh, the SEC settled, uh, had a lawsuit going on with some of the big um, marketers, promoters of BitConnect. So, So they'd already dealt with the people who started BitConnect and now they're going after the people who are promoting it on social medias, and they had filed lawsuits with six of the biggest promoters, people at the top of the pyramid, um, and uh, had had charged them to pay up to three million dollars in fines for their role in promoting BitConnect. So, oh, man. Anyway, that's the story of BitConnect. Um, it's a it's a it's a story that if you get spend a little bit of time in crypto, you will definitely hear about um uh, especially the meme of the dude talking about his wife and the 10,000 dollars and how she will appreciate it someday. Hey hey hey. Okay, so um so that was uh, about 2.5 billion dollars of a scam. The, possibly the biggest crypto scam ever was what just happened about a month ago called Aftercrypt. It was this, um, a South African crypto investment platform that was made by two brothers. They were in their 20, early 20s, I think. And they built up this platform, um, and uh, just recently they reported that it had been hacked, and the funds on the platform were being stolen. So this is kind of sounding like that honeypot that we were talking about. Yeah. Someone stole it. We don't know who. And so they decided to send out a letter to their clients, kindly letting them know, uh, about the hack and how the funds were stolen, but they also uh, uh, pleaded with their clients please don't tell the authorities about it, it'll just get in the way. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, some clients did talk to the authorities about it and they got lawyers to come sue, sue these two brothers. Um, uh, but uh, the website was down, the brothers had flown, you know, uh, had ran away, they disappeared. And the brothers even announced that they were running away because of the threats to their life, not because they were guilty, yada, yada. There's an estimate that they have stolen more than uh, $3 billion in this scam. Although, like I said, it's still an ongoing thing. They're still looking into it. They're still trying to track down these brothers and figure out what exactly happened here. But uh, it does seem a little fishy.
1: So I would imagine that when this hack happens, before that even is told to anybody the price is just tanking right like because people are are supposedly these brothers are just selling and selling and selling right yeah what's interesting is i don't think
0: they had their own token so they just had a platform that they were managing people's funds and people were transferring their funds to them and then they would invest it in you know you know um improve ah. their return on investment. And so they were just handling people's funds and people's crypto, and they ran off with that crypto, essentially.
1: Interesting. huh?
0: So it's a little bit of a different uh, a play there. But uh, anyways, so we'll see how that one plays out. That's called AfroCrypt. But now we have my final story. And I think I did reference this a while back. I forget what podcast we were talking about. Um, but this one is about OneCoin. And technically... As we'll find out, not to be a spoiler, but this is not a crypto scam, but it is crypto related and we'll see why. But we start our story with Dr. Ruja Ignatova, a.k.a. the Crypto Queen. And she ran her con for about three years and recording the largest crypto related scam ever. And then she mysteriously vanished. So Ruja... To start with, she earned her Ph.D. in private law. And I think that's a good place for someone who wants to run a scam should start is to <laughs> uh, get credibility by going through the whole process of getting a doctorate in law. That's great. She, she, uh, she knows uh, what to do and what not to do, I guess. Yeah. She was even featured on the cover of uh, Bulgarian version of Forbes and other magazines as being this up and coming woman. Um, so powerful. She was very charismatic and intelligent. She was fluent in several languages. She just seemed like this this wonderful person to have in finance. Uh, But uh, it took about seven years after her PhD program before she started dabbling in fraud. And she was charged with fraud. That was in 2012 was the first time she was accused of it. About a year later, 2013, she (laughs) realized that crypto, cryptocurrencies were going to be big. And so she decided to start dipping her toes in the crypto waters. And she started her own multi-level crypto scam called BigCoin. Instead of Bitcoin, I guess. BigCoin. Okay. But the problem is her scam was quickly, um, it was too obvious, and it was quickly shut down by authorities. But, you know, she's a smart cookie, and she learned from her failures and decided to come back even stronger and better. So one year later, in 20, 2014, she starts up OneCoin, It's a company she starts up with her brother. And the whole ruse was this. They decided to sell these trader packages, what they called them, packages to these different traders. And in the beginning, you could buy a starter pack for 100 euros, which is about $115 in today's prices. Um, But the packages would increase and it gives you different perks. And so, you know, some packages, some trader packages got so supreme, including the supreme trader package, for about two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, or the Ooh. super combo package, which was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, what are these packages? You're asking me. Yeah. I don't know. No one knows when these packages are. <laughs> Essentially, what was in these packages uh, were not 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 the currency one coin. What was in these packages was a token that the people could later assign to mine one coins. This, her cryptocurrency called OneCoin so they could assign the token to mine OneCoin. If you're confused, I am too. That makes zero <laughs> sense. This makes no sense. They do not understand what mining cryptocurrency means, apparently, because this is just complete hogwash. Okay. <laughs> so these tokens, as we'll see, were more like crypto coupons rather than cryptocurrency. This is not centered in any kind of blockchain technology that I'm aware of. But but you know no one no one cared about all that crypto confusing stuff what they cared about was all the special packages like the tycoon trader package that could bu- you could buy for 5000 euro and then suddenly once you buy it it doubles in value and you could then it was then worth 10000 euros instantly just by you buying it <laughs> I mean that sounds pretty good tycoon oh, trader yeah. package um, they had a, a, a you know in their materials they had some very appealing graphics of all the different packages. that were in different colors, and they explained what each package did, and there's different incentives in each one. And of course, she employed a pyramid scheme model, uh, to to bring in these you know you get you get ten percent of your referrals' investments value, and so people would try and invest every, you know um, refer everyone they knew into one coin to join. And buy into these packages, these trader packages. Um, but but really, though, what could you do with these tokens? So you could sell a limited number of them for fiat. Um, so you could sell it into you know US dollars, for example. depending on your membership, you had to buy into a high enough package that would allow you to sell your tokens that you got in the package um, on some exchange, on their own proprietary exchange. Um, and they would limit how many of these tokens you are allowed to sell on this exchange? Because, you know, there really wasn't a demand for one coin. No one was trying to buy these tokens. Uh, so really, the company was just paying people for their tokens, and they didn't want to pay too much, so they limited how much you could actually sell. Um, and again, this is just for the privileged members that could afford to buy the more expensive packages. All right. So so you had these tokens, and then you're just hoping that you'll be able to uh, apparently mine the cryptocurrency OneCoin. That was the whole idea behind it. That's how you're going to get money. Um, so a cult-like following kind of formed around this crypto, crypto queen. And uh, they began branding OneCoin as the Bitcoin killer, even though it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. <laughs> they even had their own special sign- the hand sign hand gesture to identify fellow one coiners where you would form a circle with the forefinger and the thumb of both hands to create, you know, like kind of like a circle between your two hands. And supposedly that would represent the O in one. Although to me, it seems more like it represents a zero as in the value of the tokens were zero. But (laughs) anyways, I wasn't around in that time. So I don't know what it all was like, the promoters began to declare, uh, it was the second highest valued crypto right behind Bitcoin. But the problem was no crypto tracking site ever listed OneCoin on any of its rankings. You know, there's CoinMarketCap and there's CoinGecko. There's a lot of famous websites that, that will uh, track the overall market cap of all different cryptocurrencies. OneCoin never made it to any of these sites But yet people still were promoting that it was the second highest value crypto. And so that should have been a red flag for people. The fact that crypto websites were not even acknowledging this as a cryptocurrency. If it's really as big as they're saying, uh, there should be some acknowledgement from them. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. The members, people in the cult, they loved it. They would log into their OneCoin portal and they would see numbers going up on their dashboard. And the numbers would uh, presumably uh, be a real-time reflection of their wealth. And so they'd see the numbers, the dollar amounts ticking up on, online, and so they could get really excited that, you know, these numbers were going up. That means they are getting more and more wealthy every day um, because the, the, the token's values were going up. Um, but, you know, some people did speak up about this, uh, but outside of the cults, um, because outside of the cult, no one really recognized it as crypto, because the reality was there never was a blockchain or network that OneCoin was built on. OneCoin was not a cryptocurrency. In fact, it didn't exist. It was literally some code that was being stored in some database somewhere. And so two years into this scam... Ruja decided, realized, you know, she's, she's smart. She realized she wouldn't be able to keep the scam going without an actual blockchain. Eventually, she had to make a cryptocurrency or else people were going to start getting suspicious. And so she announced to all of her followers that they would produce a new and improved blockchain, aka they would make a blockchain. Uh, and somehow, this new and improved blockchain would uh, increase the total supply and at the same time, double everyone's money. So <laughs> sure that makes sense. Huzzah to free internet money, right? So, so then this is where the story gets a little weird. Uh, a guy named Bjorn Bjork, I have no clue if I'm saying that right, but he's a well-known crypto developer. And he said that he was approached by Ruzsa and her team, by OneCoin, with an offer for him to become their, their chief technology officer. Oh, and also along with the job description, they're asking him to make a blockchain for them. And so this is when he realizes, hold up, you guys don't actually have a blockchain. You've been (laughs) saying that you have a blockchain, but you don't because you're asking me to actually build one for you. So he refused and he started letting people know what was going on. Um, And so this exchange, the one coin exchange was closed supposedly to make way for a new exchange that was going to be built on the new and improved blockchain. And that new exchange never came. And so people lost the ability to do anything with their tokens. They could not even exchange it for money. Um, But it was okay because, you know, OneCoin was still making them, the numbers on their dashboard was still going up. And so they're still getting more and more rich. Um, And so instead of building out a blockchain because this guy refused one coin decided well that they would do the next best thing. They would pay off two unknown lawyers to supposedly audit their blockchain, which again, didn't exist. But if you could say two lawyers audited your blockchain, that's about as good as actually having a blockchain. <laughs> and, so, and so they did that. And then they could just point to saying these two lawyers said, we're good. So we're good. Um, And the train, the OneCoin train, kept chugging throughout 2016, 2017. This is actually around the same time as uh, BitConnect. Um, And um, and around this time, some promoters started to be arrested in India for trying to organize recruitment events for OneCoin. And some governments around the world were starting to get a little suspicious of what was going on in this company. Uh, Then, in October 2017 about three years after she started it, the crypt- crypto Ruja was scheduled to speak at a packed place in Lisbon, but she never arrived. She was gone. And that was the last uh, the last trace we have of her is that she booked a flight to Athens instead, and then she has disappeared from there. So no one knows where she went.
1: What the... Um,
0: and so she ran off with some money... But like a champ, her business partner, her brother, kept the scam going for another two years, <laughs> uh, even though Ruja ran off with $4 billion of the company's money, investors' money, really, investors' money. Her, her brother kept going until he was finally caught and arrested, and he sold out his sister, um... And uh, anyway, some estimates say, so she ran off with supposedly around $4.5 billion. Some people estimate it's as high as $19 billion. It's, it's hard to know the exact figure. They say that 3.5 million people were supposedly scammed by Dr. Ruja. Uh Jeez. And so she made a killing on this, which was not ever a cryptocurrency, but it is crypto related because people associated it. With cryptocurrency. There's a really interesting uh, podcast, actually, for anyone who wants to hear the whole story, when all of its really interesting details, that the BBC did. It's a podcast uh, called The Missing Crypto Queen. It's a great listen. Pretty interesting stuff there. So, Brian,
1: did she ever, she ever get caught then if she got sold out by her brother? He didn't know where she was either. Oh, wow. She just disappeared. So, she's somewhere
0: maybe on some island with $4 billion. Just, just, just living the dream. Wow. No, no one knows where she is. So, so Brian, hearing all these scams, what, what are your thoughts first of all, uh, on some of this stuff?
1: It's crazy. I mean, it, it never ceases to amaze me, like the lengths that people go through to just like do terrible things to peop with people's money. You know what I mean? It's like, I, it's like one thing to be rich but to be rich because you stole you know millions or billions like Mm -hmm. you could never like i i know me personally maybe it's because i actually have a conscience but (laughs) like i could never sleep like i wouldn't like even though i had billions and billions of dollars i wouldn't be happy it wouldn't satisfy me and so it, it just it's crazy to me to think that like people are like, that was their main goal and they, they're happy now. You know what I mean? Like, right. See, it's Brian, like something you get from like a TV show. You know what right. I mean? Right.
0: And this is why you'd make a horrible scammer, Brian. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever invite you on my scamming quest because you, <laughs> you wouldn't do
1: well. Our fool's gold coin that we're going to be creating and hey, that it's going to be, be f- a fooling everybody. We'll, we'll,
0: rug, <laughs> we'll rug pull everyone. We'll keep 99% of the supply. And, no, there you go you know, that's, um, that, that's just, that's just, um, how, what I want to know is how do people like that, if they have kids, for example, what do they tell their kids about what they do for a living?
1: <laughs> no, Johnny, you can't go, uh, go visit your grandma in the United States or <laughs> somewhere. Right. We can't go over there.
0: You don't have a grandma anymore. Here's a thousand dollars to believe that you just pay <laughs> off your kids to, uh, you know, keep quiet. <laughs> I don't know. like
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like. At some point, you're going to get fed up with that life and move on and turn yourself in, right?
0: Well, we'll see. And so the, the missing quip, Crypto Queen, her story lives on, and we'll see how that resolves. Um, there is actually a movie uh, starring Kate Winslet. Um, I've heard of her name. I, I said the name, and now I realize I don't know who that is. Anyways, I think she's a famous actress, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah totally. Than me. Um, anyways, she's, she's, uh, there's a movie called Fake. It's in uh, production right now, I think, or pre-production either way. It's about this story. It's about uh, it follows the life of of um, a woman who bought into the whole um, one coin scam and uh, kind of her experiences of what she saw and uh, her her thought process behind you know during this whole thing. and so it'd be interesting to see um, kind of from her perspective how this all plays out.
1: You said it. It already came out.
0: No, it's in pre-production, so I have oh, no clue when it'll come out, if it'll come out. But it is planned, at
1: least. That's crazy.
0: So, what about traditional finance, Brian? Because obviously, traditional finance, there's there's scams that happen there too. It's it's not you know all, all crypto stuff, but crypto definitely, I think, uh, has a reputation, and I think the anonymity of crypto makes it more vulnerable. Like I said, also the complexity of the technology behind it, as we see in the story with OneCoin. But what kind of scams, if any, are there that you can think of in traditional finance and like stock markets or other traditional investing?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because there's been, I'm sure, hundreds of scams over the years. Like The stock market's been around for a long time. But I would say there's only a couple of them that I can really think of that are just like, stock market scams like versus other scams most of scams are like company you know like Hmm. related like where there's fraud involved like sure the biggest ones like you know recently that would involve like a company is like enron and worldcom have you ever heard of those ones
0: i've heard of enron yeah
1: yeah so they're like back in the i think early 2000s like 2000 2001 or two or something like that Um, have you ever seen the movie uh uh let's see what movie is it fun with dick and jane i think no with jim carrey Uh -uh. yeah that's like a they kind of i think kind of dedicated the (laughs) the movie to like enron and WorldCom, i think but uh it's it's a it's a good movie it's pretty funny um but yeah enron was like a energy company and, you know, it was, I think, formed in like the 80s or something like that. It was like one of the darlings of the stock market, did really well. It was named America's most innovative company for like six years in a row by Fortune. Mm. Uh, and uh, this, you know, little did people know, investors know, that the CEO used a type of accounting to hide Financial losses, making the company <laughs> appear more profitable than it Ooh. really was. Okay. And this is a, I mean, this is not like a small company. This is a sixty billion dollar market cap. You know Ooh. what I mean? Like, yeah. And the the stock, when it all unfolded, because it was really messy, obviously, and there's a lot of drama involved. But uh, the stock hit its high at ninety dollars and seventy five cents. And by the time you know. Everything unraveled. It went bankrupt, and it was worth like twenty six cents <laughs> by the time everything was done. Wow. So that was pretty ugly. People went to jail, you know, prison for years, you know, and and uh, and then WorldCom was something really, really similar. You know, it was just, but it was I think the biggest uh, like bankruptcy I think ever, or at least one of the biggest bankruptcies. Um, I think it was a hundred and fifteen billion dollar market cap. So there's a huge telecommunications company, and they were doing something similar, cooking the books, you know. And, you know, was, I just remember in school, like, you know, going to college, like, we had to do a lot of, like, research and papers on, like, these different fraud, you know, because they're prime examples <laughs> of, like, you know, different acts were, like, established because of them, uh, you know, yeah. it was interesting. But
0: the, so besides... the The good, bad examples...
1: Exactly, exactly. Real
0: quick, I just want to put a plug in for for crypto, a positive plug here. This (laughs) is the nice thing about crypto is every transaction is instantly available to the public. Yeah. That's just the nature of open source, you know, crypto. And so... So You can't really hide things. You can't hide things like that. You know, a company that's operating on a blockchain, um, the public knows instantly when transactions happen and where and how much and to whom and all that stuff. So... Yeah, There's some positivity I want to infuse into this podcast stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, I mean, besides, like, examples like that, because there's tons of them, right? And I'm sure some of them I can bring up in the future because some of them are really interesting, actually. Um, Like, there's this one, like, gold mining company. I forget what the name was. But basically, like, the CEO (laughs) claimed that he found, like, a... A mountain of gold like just like tons and tons of gold and (laughs) anyway i'll see if i can look into that one a little bit more but that was all a lie and
0: was it a public traded company
1: oh yeah yeah for sure i think it was in the 80s that happened yeah it was a huge a huge uh like fraud uh story but but the biggest ones i would say that come to mind uh which are very very you know uh, very, like people know, very well known. So Bernie Madoff, have you heard of him? Yes. So yeah, he, he had one of the biggest Ponzi schemes ever uh, that pro- they're thinking that probably went on for like decades, oh. right? So he was a money manager. And when the financial crisis hit in 2008, investors wanted their money out. And he clearly wasn't able to keep the ponzi scheme going Mm because you know stocks were crashing and and uh
0: (laughs) that's the problem with ponzi schemes is when people actually want their money
1: right right
0: can't keep going
1: so and he he told his sons that i guess they were involved in the company somehow which i don't know how i don't know if he was just trying to protect his sons or if they actually didn't i don't know but uh He said that they weren't involved in the scam, but he told them what was going on, and they actually turned him in the next day. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Turned in their dad. And, uh, I mean, so he had, I think the statements that he was given to clients, like, said that they had holdings of, like, $60 billion. Uh, So it was like a, I don't know if they actually had that much. Um, But uh, he had clients like Steven Spielberg Kevin oh, wow. Bacon, like, like Hollywood, you know, actors and stuff. And anyway, he was caught in 2008. I think he was sentenced to like 150 years in prison. <laughs> but he actually, he actually, I don't know if we mentioned this in our podcast. I think we might, might have, but uh, he died just earlier this year. And so he was in prison oh, when yeah. he passed away. But he was like 82 years old or something like that died of natural causes, I think, but... So he still has so anyway,
0: another 70 years on his sentence.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he was sentenced to 150 years, but I think, I don't know what it actually ended up being. Uh, I can't remember, but it was obviously until he passed away. But hmm. um, And then I would say that's probably the biggest one that I can think of. And then the one that's really popular is because of the movie, but Jordan Belfort... Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the movie. Uh, I've seen like certain clips of it, but have you have you heard yeah, of him before?
0: I've heard of. It. I haven't seen the movie either. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he was. That's a prime example of market manipulation and mm. pump and dump. You know. So he was dealing with uh, penny stocks, and he ha- ended up having like a company that was, you know, pretty big. I think he had like a thousand employees. And he was overseeing like a billion dollars, uh, and they would pressure you know investors to put their money into these highly speculative penny stocks. You know, it pump up the price by giving you know false and misleading information, and and then they would dump the stock. And because the penny stocks would be on the you know over the counter market, uh-huh. the OTC market, they uh, the the investors wouldn't be able to sell out you know because like there'd be like uh, no volume uh because they would own all the stock before all these clients bought in and so okay. if the stock would just go down and down and down they couldn't get out and anyway he made millions that way and so he made money off of his clients i th- well i don't know if they're necessarily clients but oh, okay people it he would convinced. be yeah people he convinced to buy in and pump up the stock and so yeah and then he I think he like ended up going to prison for like two years or something like that and now he yeah and now I think uh he like wrote a couple books and like does motivational speaking or something like that and um but I was watching like a video of him and he was he said that he has some kind of arrangement with the government or something where he's like he's Trying to like pay back all of the money that basically, you know, that he uh, made or like stole, I guess. But wow. so, anyway, kind of crazy. But I mean, that's what's kind of interesting though is that as you're giving or as you're, you know, telling those stories, they all have just very similar foundations to each of the stories, right? They're preying on the naive investor mm-hmm. that is desperate, like you said. Uh, that doesn't have a lot of education on what they're getting into. Um, usually it's has to do with some kind of Ponzi scheme, right? Yeah,
0: get rich <laughs> tactics. Yeah. Exactly,
1: which is, it's so sad. And, it's, and you're never going to eliminate that, right? I mean, you can't completely get rid of scams. But there are certain things you can do, whether it's education or regulation or whatever it is, that kind of avoid that as much as you can. But... Still, still stinks though.
0: Agreed. Luckily, I wasn't around investing during any of those. So, (laughs) all right, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Fools Gold podcast. If you'd like more Fools Gold content, check us out on the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fools Gold. And I think actually this week. Uh, we'll be uh, running a, a special series on the socials. So check this out, uh, hashtag war on rugs, where we'll be sharing some um, some interesting visuals of some of the great rug pulls and scams in crypto um, as we track the, the, kind of the, the price movement of those assets. Should be interesting. Follow along with us over there. Uh, but until next time, Brian, I will talk to you later. Talk to you later.